everyone, and welcome to Where's the Paddle, a weekly podcast where we explore how to navigate Schitt's Creek. I'm Kat. And I'm Peg. And we're just two bras trying to figure it all out. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about physical manifestations of stress. And I think for both of us, this has been kind of showing up at different points in our life. Sometimes we feel like really old ladies. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Depending now, on the day. Especially lately, I feel like as we get older, it's really coming out. But I think, you know, part of that... Maybe we're just fed up. And it's well, like we're exactly. full up. Full up. And it's starting to eke out everywhere. <laughs> out of our pores at this point. <laughs> Which I actually think is part of it. I mean, I do think each of us have experienced things over our life where it's popped out, but we maybe haven't been as aware as we are now at this age and kind of identifying the I'm the just getting this, I'm getting this mental picture of a, like a big pimple and it's just <laughs> building and building and building. But it, it, it's true that we have kind of reached both of us pivotal flipping points in our life where we don't, we're not ready to settle for what we've had totally. and we need to change that. And so it's one, be more aware of our own bodies and two, just being done with certain things and needing to move on from that. And so right. it becomes a little bit more frustrating when that becomes your reality. I think so. And I mean, I think a lot of our listeners, just because of, you know, what we talk about, I think, you know, they're probably at similar points in their lives where, you know, maybe it's been something you've experienced, stress, trauma, um, any sort of frustration over time. And, you know, I don't think a lot of times you just, because we're so either we're moms, we're working, we're, we're whatever, you're so focused on the daily functions and the daily tasks at hand that you don't really realize that you're yeah. experiencing anxiety, depression, stress, all of these things until all of a sudden you're like, why is my hair falling out? Right. And it's like, you kind of have to take pause and go, okay, what is this really coming from? Is it really, do I have to go get, you know, the right shampoo or is it really something that's happening inside of me? Well, and speaking to that too, and especially with speaking to being moms, um, I feel like sometimes we take it as this level of stress or this level of discord or whatever we might be experiencing in our lives is expected. And so we try to just manage, like you said, and in that managing, we don't recognize that, oh, wait, no, these, some of these (laughs) things really are not, you know, like how, I don't know, it makes me think of when um, the kids were little and like, the whole preschool, kindergarten, first grade years, I was kind of like, oh, well, there are certain ways that I need to behave because my parents weren't really great examples Um, of how you're supposed to behave as a parent. And so I very much pulled from society and from other moms and what they were doing. And I'm like, oh my God, my expectation is that I have to be X, Y, and Z. And it was really very, very stressful. (laughs) I mean, I developed a a brain chemistry condition that makes me not see things right. So, you know, right. well, like literally not see things right. So, well, exactly. So that being said, let's kind of go through a little bit of this because I think a lot of people will experience some of these things. But <coughs> I guess first off, because let's talk about your scenario, Peggy, where like, I mean, you know, you've had over a lot of years varying 
physical manifestations of stress and anxiety. What she's trying to say is that I'm kind of a kind of a hypochondriac. No, no I'm not. These, <laughs> these listen, are listen true things. We so. have both had issues, but I want to know. I mean, for you, I think when you feel like that started, um, or you started to identify some physical manifestations, some physical signs. Um, probably the one that I can pinpoint the most is, um, when my weddings, like they're the two first super clear. I mean, prior to that. So I grew up as a kid who wasn't really parented very well and, um, had a lot of, well, not a lot, had some traumatic experiences as a child. And so I remember going to college and, thinking, oh, nothing bothers me. I'm never stressed, you know, because I had so compartmentalized and put everything in a box and didn't deal with anything. And then when I was getting ready to get into my first marriage, that was opening up a lot of... um, Probably triggers. Yeah, triggers just on how to be in a relationship and how do you do that. And so, yeah, so actually getting married, the actual process of a wedding and getting married was, first of all, very, very stressful for... The idea of, oh my gosh, I'm committing and I don't really know what that's supposed to be and how do we work this and blah, blah, blah. The guy's a nice guy, but you know, all that insecurity. I was probably, I was 25 when we got married and we'd been dating for a couple years before that. So you would think maybe I would have figured this out, but I wasn't. Um, But so my first wedding, I attributed to that and um, just the idea of planning a big party for a bunch of people when I'm a pretty strong introvert Mm -hmm. was hugely terrifying for me. Like, you know, I managed it. I did everything we needed to do and stuff. But the day of my wedding, I woke up and I was sick as a dog. I was so sick. And then, um, then after the ceremony though, I was okay. I was, um, I, got hay fever because <laughs> we did it in in the um you know outside and it was in the fall or maybe I think it was in the fall no it was in the summer so it was in the summer and so yeah all the ha- but beforehand I was really sick up and until we said the vows and now we had the party now with this party it was very much just like a really super fun. It was one of the most fun parties I've ever been to. Yeah. So then I was okay because I got yeah exactly yeah. got a little bit drunk and blah blah blah. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yes, but my second wedding, I actually got sick the night before. I was throwing up from probably around. Well, I got home around ten o'clock at night until. Like the whole day later, the next day and stuff. And one thing I attributed that to was, again, the stress of planning this party. I do, this is a manifestation of something I obviously did not want to do. Exactly. And and not that, yes. I can't handle right what's happening or what what's about to happen exactly and it's not that I didn't love my husband it's not that I didn't really want to see these people it's not any of that it wasn't even the responsibility of making sure everybody had a good time although I think that was a big part of it because I felt responsible um but it was just a fact of the matter of I do not want to be the center of attention at this thing and have need to talk to everybody. And so I got so sick that I actually ended up missing my wedding reception. So I almost threw up at the wedding and had to (laughs) 
run into the back and into the vestibule at the church. And um, then at the reception, I made it through a couple of the picture taking, walked in, you know, did the announcement of walking in, sat down and said, okay, I have to leave. Oh. And I had to leave my, <laughs> my wedding and go upstairs in my, in my hotel suite and vomit for a which, couple more hours. Which I always, during this point in the story, I always think to the time you told me one of your favorite pictures. Oh, yes. You at your wedding was actually, it was just, the, but the lighting and the look was all perfect, but it was, it was actually very Peggy, dramatic, like, like doubled over basically in pain, but it looked so beautiful. And I was, peaceful. yes, in my beautiful gown and, you know, it was very, she was dying inside, you know. <laughs> but again, too, I also attribute it to not just the stress of the wedding, but the fact that I really, at that point probably wasn't emotionally ready for a marriage. Yeah, right. You know, I just, and my body was telling me, this is not where you're supposed to be right now. Yeah. You know, and I know that my husband would hate to hear that, but it wasn't that I wasn't ready to marry him. I just, the reason I married him is because I knew it would be a good choice. I knew that it would meet my needs, but I was just so uncertain of where I was as a person at the time that committing that to somebody else just was not good and so yeah I think that's why I was sick I don't think it was much of anything else so that's probably the first real clear signs my body gave me that I can say oh yeah that was like I need to deal with some shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then it took me another 20 years to deal with my shit but you know no I did I did over the years so Peggy did this therapy that was pretty intense I mean it was basically an attachment type therapy and you're pretty open about it. I oh, mean, yeah. It was, pretty, it was a pretty great experience. I mean, I even remember when you were kind of debating, you know, <laughs> and you and your husband had kind of talked about it, like, should I do this? It wasn't like a cheap, you know, yeah. trip to, for the weekend. It was like a pretty intense course over a couple of weeks. And But holy moly. I mean, talk about coming out of that. You really had a lot of aha moments after that like through it and then after that over like the course of I remember that year following that like every time we talked to you were sort of like oh my gosh I felt this I realized this like it was just kind of a really exciting it was it was um super scary to make the decision to do it yeah it was super scary getting into it yeah um but once I was in it it was so helpful it was absolutely totally 100% worth it yeah And it's, yes, it's been, I did that when, let's see, the youngest was in first grade, I think, because I have to think back to my hairstyle. When did I cut my hair? Because it was right after that that I cut my hair. Um, And that's how I, like, gauge time. Yeah, exactly. So that was uh, five years ago. And so that's when the most, I think the most internal growth that I've had has been in the last five to six years. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. Well, and then your son, your youngest, was diagnosed with diabetes. It's been four years or three four years. And a half? Okay, and before years April. Okay, and that was a big time too because it's ironic because so you guys who don't know, I'm a personal trainer, and Peggy and I have known each other for twenty some years. Some years, and um, 
so we've been friends before, but I trained her as well. And, um, which is kind of a delight. It's like, oh yeah, I'm so delightful. (laughs) But anyways, the point in that was, so from my perspective as both your friend, but then also your trainer. So Peggy, after going through this, um, therapy, you had actually lost quite a bit of weight. You were at a really good healthy stage. You were like eating well, you were motivated. You were just in a really light kind of space, I would say, and doing well. And then the shift, this is where, again, I just want to stress that stress because then when your youngest got diagnosed, it was like your body shut down, shut (laughs) a VF down. I mean, it was like, it was recognizable so fast because it was such a tremendous amount of stress. I mean, which I think yours did too when you went through your divorce. That was because well, you started losing hair, later. and yeah, I'll get into that later. Well, um, and it's funny how I, that be. I mean, I'm kind of diverting. I want to come back to your story, but I also want to just address with that being said how. It's funny how when you learn about certain things or you get instant relief, you kind of go through a euphoric stage, but then it's like reality soaks in Mm -hmm. and then you have that upheaval of stress and physical manifestation of it too. Yeah. Because I know I experienced a euphoric sense first, but I'll talk about that a little later. Oh, you mean when you actually got divorced? When I got divorced. Oh yeah. I'm talking about the whole process. the whole process after. Yeah. I'll talk about that Well, before and after. Oh, yeah. There was... We'll, t- we'll table that for a second because I want to get back to you okay. because... Oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, for real. Um, because when your son was diagnosed, that was like such an upheaval, not even just... I mean, number one, you weren't sleeping. Nope. But also, can we address... Um, I want to put out there because you you found out in a state of emergency that yeah. your son was diagnosed. So he was having very severe emergent um, symptoms. And so you were in the hospital basically in intensive care for several days, making sure that he was even safe. Right. So um, that really shifted life quite a bit. It wasn't necessarily like a gradual kind of learning experience for no, you. It no, was, it was overnight in like the first couple months, what I do with stress is I don't eat. So the first couple months I lost weight because I didn't eat. But then once I started eating again and not sleeping and being stressed and the whole cortisol levels and stuff that take place, it was, it was kind of a disaster for a little while there. Yeah. And it's, it was probably about three, it's been about three years before. I think this last year feels like it's a whole different experience with getting life back on track and dealing with his diabetes and therefore dealing with my body issues. And totally. so now we've just got to get everything, all the inflammation down and, and this, that, and the other thing. But, um, yeah, there've been a lot of physical manifestations in the last three years of everything kind of coming to a head. Yeah, totally. And even, I mean, in terms of stress with you know, relationships and whatever else and awareness. And maybe this is where I kind of discuss a little bit of my background and then we can talk a little bit more about relationships because I know mine is very directed to that. Um, 
So, for those of you who don't know, so I, I was, so I got married young, which is, was a surprise to everyone I knew at the time because I was never one to imagine myself married with kids. Um, in fact, I really, even when I was giving birth to my first son, my mom made a comment to one of my friends was like, oh yeah, I never pictured Catherine having kids and especially at this age, you know. I was kind of a free spirit, I think, in a lot of ways, but I was very independent and kind of headstrong and um, thought I never wanted kids, really wasn't in a hurry to get married. I know. I never thought I wanted kids or getting married either. And here I am, two marriages in, two kids. You're two marriages in, two kids. (laughs) I know. Exactly. Well, and that's, I mean, life changes, right? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I was young. I married my first husband. So I met my first husband when I was just shy of 20. And then I married him a year later, um, very quick. I didn't, he was kind of at the time what I would call or what I'd say now maybe as a nutshell was like the game changer where I thought, oh my gosh, why wouldn't I marry this guy? I had not planned on it, but this was someone who presented as kind of the perfect partner and presented is the key word there. (laughs) And we will discuss this a little bit more. I won't go into too much, um, because this is a topic actually that Peggy and I want to save for another episode, but my first husband was a legitimately a narcissist personality disorder. He was a covert narcissist. He was very good at keeping up images and profiling from an outside perspective as kind of the charming, sweet, humble man. But in your gut, what your body told you was. And I think this is what's key here is because um, I had actually, you know, I'm, I'm athletic. I've been athletic all my life. My body is pretty steadily. I'm very, I'm an athletic build. I'm tall. Um, I used to, I used to be thin too. Well, I wouldn't call myself thin, though, but I would say I'm athletic, I'm muscular, and I think this was, this is funny, because I never had really realized, but sure enough, I had gained a little bit of weight, which was really odd to me, Um, and I didn't know why, there was no indication as to why when I was early, well, this is right before I got married, which is ironic. So looking back, and Peggy and I have talked about this a lot, there were maybe a few indications that this person wasn't as they appeared. But because love bombing and so forth and very clever tactics, I didn't really see through that. And I had no reason to feel otherwise. So I went forward. I married this guy. um, And um, from day one, things very much shifted. But still, because of the nature of the abuse and things like that, it was very hard to identify. And I think just over the course, so I was married to him for just shy of 15 years, so together for 16. And we had two kids together who are now, you know, teenagers. I have a 14 and 12 year old. So there's my timeline. Um, But what I, what had really started happening to me, number one, a couple years into the marriage, I found out about some betrayals, but nothing was really identified. Um... In terms of when I say betrayals, and again, this is kind of a topic for another day. I don't want to get too diverted. Um, Things that maybe to some people wouldn't be big things. They were hurtful to me. I remember at the time, for the first time in my entire life, I actually 
was body conscious. And I had never experienced that before. Um, especially being an athlete, it was kind of more about growing up. I was really focused on how my body performed, not how right, it looked. Right. I remember that was the first time in my adult life that I really actually was self-conscious about my body. And You know, that, it's interesting. I just realized that you don't phrase any of those things the same way that you did when we first oh, started really? hanging out again. Yeah. So I remember when you first started hanging out again, it was a lot. Yeah, there you did often make disparaging comments, if you will, towards different aspects of how he might think you look about things. And you don't make those types of comments anymore. I can't pinpoint no. exactly what I'm talking about, but I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I think, well, and I saw it very differently. So, and, um, well, and that's something too. So Peggy and I, we've known each other like forever, but we, there was a time at which I actually, when I got married, we had moved out of state and then came back about 10 years later. And so we had reconnected. And it was interesting because both of us at the time, so I was married to my first husband, but he was, she had been married at the time when I was gone. She had right. married then her now husband. And it was interesting because I think coming together in a totally different place of life. Yeah, yeah. And now 10 years ahead. Right. Because that was like 10 years ago now. Um, it's kind of a funny scenario. But I would say, okay, so for me, I would say the first manifestation where I really, well, no, this was the first manifestation that I now know and recognize, but I didn't even until probably the last two years. Um, I've been divorced now three years and just got remarried to, well, remarried? I married someone (laughs) else (laughs) recently. Um, Very healthy individual, totally different scenario. But, um, it's only been in the last, I would say two to three years where I've really connected the physical, the true physical manifestation. So that it was probably the first time that I was having severe medical issues, um, was after my second son was born a year after. So it was, I had nursed each of my kids for a year apiece and it was after I stopped nursing. And so I had attributed that to... The hormones. Okay. But if I really look back on the timeline with everything going on with my then husband and how the abuse had really gained momentum, I think, um, at that point, and I was really questioning myself, you know, I had given birth to a couple of kids. Yeah. Keep in mind, too, when I first found out about the first betrayal, I was actually pregnant and didn't know it. So I hadn't really dealt with my right. body image and what was going on. And I had kind of glazed over. And then the, the happiness, the euphoria of having a new, you know, addition to Yeah, the you get redirected. And we were, for sure. Uh, totally redirected, which worked to that husband's advantage in terms of the abuse cycle. Um, but I was having, my hair was falling out. I was having ma- massive chronic fatigue. I had gone into the doctor because I couldn't eat. I was throwing things up. They wanted to take out my gallbladder. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. They were debating taking out or doing some sort of ablation um, process to my, you Years? know, productive. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were talking about tubes being tied. I mean, all of these things because I was having such severe issues. And um, I, so at the, around that time, we moved back to Colorado And I saw a hormone specialist. I saw all of these different doctors. Some of them ran multiple tests and they were like, but you're so healthy on paper. Yeah. 
you know, your which is so frustrating. Is this? You're this. You're eight percent body fat. You're you know, you're breathing great. You're this and this and this. And I'm like, no, something's happening, and I don't know what. And I am this close to what I thought. I mean, I literally, I thought. I'm going to find out I'm like stage four cancer. Right. And no one picked it up because right. I was like not functioning. And, um, and I think at that, at that point I had realized a couple of my aunts had had thyroid issues. And so I think I had just assumed it was thyroid, but it was funny because only up until a couple of years ago when I really started questioning because I, after my divorce three years ago, went through like a euphoric stage where all of a sudden my hair was growing back. I wasn't breaking out. I had all of these wonderful things happening in my life and I thought, wow. And I didn't really make the connection even then. Right. Then the stress hit when... He started acting like an... "Eh?" Even more so than usual. He was more... He was more overt, yes, because I was separated from him and had moved through with the divorce process, and it was affecting the children more because I wasn't in the home to be the direct, right, right. Um, like buffer point of aggression for this and as a buffer for the kids. So that was when real stress kicked in, and I started noticing what I would call like a, at the time I used to call it like a flare up. When I yeah. like my circulation was bad, yeah. I couldn't eat, I couldn't, you know, my hair was falling out in clumps, I was breaking out, I was all of these things. She was a hot miss. Oh my God. <laughs> but she still killed it, let me tell you, she still looked good. <laughs> well, you are too kind. But, um, and so really it was the last couple of years where I've had, I would say, I've still dealt with stress up until very recently but when there was really a I would say this fall there was a real big kind of shift shift yeah. for me in my own healing process through learning about trauma and my specific trauma a little bit deeper but um it really took until recently for me to kind of step back and be like you know that's funny I haven't had an upheaval or a flare-up right outside of normal like if I have cheese or something <laughs> but that's normal um, but I haven't had a flare up. I have, I, you know, and I think that that was really the realization. Well, it's interesting because, um, what you're talking about is like an overall systematic kind of shut down flare up. Yes. Right. Um, throughout your whole body. And that's, you're right. That's what I see in, um, when you get stressed, you totally. definitely manifest physically and, and it comes out and. Um, you. mine are very specific to what is actually going on. Like, it is. Well, yeah. So cause cool. if I, usually if I stop and I think, okay, cause now I recognize this. So with my body, what happens is if I'm having some kind of, um, um, a mental process that I'm not acknowledging, it will come out in a very specific physical way. And if I can take that physical way and say, oh, wait, okay, this is what's happening physically, how does that tie in with what's going on in my life? I can now, and it's only been in the last two, three years that I've recognized this, I can now pinpoint, oh, okay, this is what I think is going on, and this is how I can kind of clear it up. It's very metaphysical. It Um, really is, though. I mean, we're talking like, like, we were just talking about it. I mean, Peggy, when she feels like she can't discuss what is really bothering her or messing with her mind, her throat starts hurting like I mean yeah it like closes down so 
Um, you know how you feel um, right before you start crying, but you're really trying hard not to cry? Yes, that, like, and that, yeah, constriction. Yeah. yeah. If I'm in a situation where I'm continually not being able to express myself, um, that's what will happen, is I will either get um, that feeling continually. It's not just like at the time that I'm upset. Yeah. It'll be a continual feeling. Or I will get um, like a sore throat. Like if you have a cold, a sore throat, or um, something will happen with my throat. It happens. It's happened numerous times now, and um, and I found that once I start expressing myself, which is a huge problem for me, we'll talk about that in another time. Um, it's a big deal for me to um, usually repress stuff. That's what I tend to do, yeah. and um, not speak my truth. And so, yeah. So that's what happens with my throat. Um, I was noticing as we were going through trying to figure out all the different things, um, I was noticing about my earaches. So around the time that I started feeling like I had too much input from um, my friend group, as my son looks just like my friend group, of my friend group at the time, um, they, the, my ears started to hurt. Like the, the, you know, it was just too much. It was too much coming in. So I had earaches. And then when I stopped, when I set those boundaries that, okay, maybe, you know, if I'm being therapist to everybody here, that I don't necessarily need those friendships as strongly as I thought I did, the earaches went away. And, um, the other ones that I have are, okay, you want to get real personal? (laughs) Let's get real personal. If I'm at a, um, emotional point. When I am just um, not wanting to have sex and I'm kind of repulsed by the idea of having sex for whatever reason, I will suddenly start getting yeast infections. I will start having vaginal, like not just vaginal dryness, but like (laughs) it's like the sandpaper down there, (laughs) like the Sahara Desert sandpaper. It's uh, (laughs) a... It's like my body's like, nope, no entry, no, we're going to, we're going to create all kinds of stuff going on down there so that nobody gets, wants to get in there, you know? So, um, it's like direct fight or flight. I mean, when you think about it and I mean, you think about your lizard brain, this is what I, you know, through uh, therapy and whatever else that I've been through, but I always love. You know, my therapist is always like, well, that's the trauma brain. That's the Neanderthal, you know, the lizard brain. Right, yeah. Because you do get to a point, your body is so emotionally clogged that it literally, I mean, it your, your, your brain tells your body in its most lizard form, fight or flight. And it's like, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to avoid... The sex. The sex. Do not have the sex with me. Do not have the sex. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. And we had talked about that because towards the end of my marriage, I was getting yeast infections all the time. I was, and didn't know why. And well, there you go. Yeah. I didn't want. You didn't want? Shocking, right? That you don't want to go down that road with someone you don't trust. Uh, What? Is that a thing? Um,. But it is, it's like, it's so, it's just, I remember, um, one of the best things a therapist just said in like two, you know, a few words, you know how people, it's nothing, it's not new information per se, but they say it in like the most concise 
or they say it a certain way that just really kind of triggers You're this like, lovely aha moment where she was just um, like, "You're, you know, your body knows. Your body knows what's right for you even when your mind, when your emotions can't really catch on. Your body really reacts in a visceral way to communicate I cannot go there. Right. You know? Well, and I think that's something that I, I know we want to talk about this in another segment, but that gut feeling that we get when we're in a relationship or a situation or even, um, I don't know, uh, a relationship, we'll go there, that doesn't, isn't working right, yeah. but we can't figure out why. Yeah. It's not working right, and society has developed certain expectations, and uh, I say society like society's out there doing it. We know we do it ourselves, but there have been certain expectations of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, and so mentally we're like, well, you know, but it's fine. Every, every relationship takes work and every relationship we have to, you know, make compromises and... But in that, that is true and that is fine. But then when it becomes to where your gut is saying, no, I just, I'm not okay being here. I'm not happy being here. And you're getting those stomach aches or you're getting the migraines or you're getting whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be that just because you're feeling those symptoms that it's tied to your relationship. It could be because you're feeling stressed because of other outside influences or your job or what have you. I mean, it could be anything. But yeah. yeah, but I think it's a really strong indicator of even though this is what we've been told to expect, mm-hmm. if you're feeling that way, there's probably a really good reason that that's happening. Right. And it's, you know, it's our responsibility then to look and say, okay, is it something that I need to change within myself? Or is it something that I need to remove myself from a situation or, you know, cut ties with toxic people or situations or am I making any sense here you really are (laughs) that your body's really giving you an indicator like your therapist like the therapist said and be aware I mean I think that's really the yeah and be aware not try and shut that down but instead take a look exactly don't just you know kind of blow it off but just take it as a as life's pause or one of my friends says like the cosmic two by four (laughs) in the head like just take pause and gain a little introspective during those in introspection during those times. Right. Is it sort of like, listen, is it just because it's flu season that I feel right. flu like, or is it, is there something, is this happening every year at this time? Is it like, you know, what is, what is it, you know, right. and dive a little bit deeper and, you know, don't, don't spend your days going, oh, I must be, you know, we're not saying be a hypochondriac, but be aware that, you know, our bodies really do know things that we don't and we can't process in real time. But it's like, if your body is reacting a certain way, just allow, just allow yourself some time for introspection and kind of be aware of your surroundings and take pause. Right. And then there's the whole um, thing of what, you know, actual chemical balances as well like things like anxiety so what if you you know deal with an anxiety disorder that is constant and continual and how to manage that and I know I myself um, deal with depression and I think for me my depression is separate and different from when my body tells me something is up yes because 
my depression is a chemical imbalance in my brain that I know that if I don't eat well and if I don't exercise, I'm going to flare up with that. And I'm yeah. going <laughs> to be in the bathroom crying on the bathroom floor. You know? like I'm not That's right. And I can't function and, um, to varying degrees. Yeah. But that to me is, is a different stage for me than, you know, my body is telling me something specific about a specific situation. Right. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I don't, I, I would say, now I battle anxiety, but it's PTSD related. So because it's situational, um, my experience is a little bit different and I can identify like it's generally a situation that'll bring it on a trigger, an incident, a person, a specific, oh, comment, whatever. I mean, it Uh is very PTSD situationally, um, responsive in that way, but it's interesting because I mean, how do I put that? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a little bit different. It gives me a whole other, um, like, respect and perspective for exactly that. You know, people like you who deal with it and are kind of managing it through life. Right. That has got to be, like, a whole other... I mean, it's a whole other level of kind of, like, management perspective and kind of how you deal with it um, I would assume. yeah I think it's just a for me at this point um this isn't necessarily true of what it was 10-15 years ago but for me at this point it's a matter of knowing what those feelings are at like an early stage or well um well, and taking the responsibility to manage them. And, oh. you know, it's different for everybody because everybody manage, manages those things in a different way, not just because of who they are, but also because of it manifests differently in everybody. Yeah, right. You know, I have a lot of family members who deal with depression, and I know that um, some of them are like me, and they deal with it through diet and exercise. Others, um, and I used to, deal with it through medication. Yeah. Um, some of us just, you know what, we're, we're out of commission this week. We are done this week, you know, but it's, um, for me personally, it's recognizing it is a, is a different, you know, like you said, it's the anxiety is a different than, although your anxiety kind of, kind of does tell you (laughs) maybe not this because, but I think you look at it differently because you know that there are certain things that trigger your anxiety versus an overall anxious. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I hadn't really thought about it as I guess, um, well, I don't, I don't know. I think it's been, she's processing, she's processing. (laughs) It's been a funny transition because you know, the anxiety, because it was PTSD, it crept up on me. I didn't, the situation I was in with this person, it was so subtle over so many years that at some point I turned around and was like, oh my gosh, that just happened. And um, so I had anxiety that was I was feeling just all the time. Um, and I realized I was dealing with it. So I thought it was just overall anxiety, you know, given whatever else that, you know, I didn't know it was necessarily, it took a lot of process and kind of reconfiguring and recognizing instead of anxiety all the time, 
that there were triggers. I didn't really realize that there were certain triggers, but it also took me getting some distance from that abusive relationship to then not feel anxiety all the time. So you so feel that I had peace. So you do time. feel like the anxiety was again your body telling you something. It was. Versus it somebody was. who has more of a chemical yes. underlying cause. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. But it, and it took me a while to figure that out. And now now because I am at such peace in other areas of my life, it is such a drastic indication of a trigger. Okay, that gotcha. it's so much more clear to me that it is PTSD, anxiety from a situational circumstance over so many years. Right. So, um, and for me, that's definitely it. it I mean, I can feel the anxiety affects my blood pressure, which then, I mean, I can literally feel the blood pressure up at my head. (laughs) And then it's like a piercing tension headache that turns into a migraine within minutes. Yeah. And, um, but it's so, it, um, it's so acute now. Yeah. Whereas before it was like. Right. Generalized. Yes. Yeah. So. And And that's kind of how my depression is now too. Oh, okay. Because I don't think my depression just, I mean, obviously if there's tons of members of my family, it's, it's, you know, um, I think first a biological predisposition to it. But, um, I also think there's a lot of just the upbringing, like I mentioned before, caused a general dissatisfaction and, and changed the, my brain chemistry. And you, you can talk about the brain chemistry. So it changed my brain chemistry. And Mm -hmm. now in order to, combat that brain chemistry I've had to first I treated it chemically and then once I got it chemically under control I developed life processes that um that help with my brain chemistry that's why the exercise is so important that's why the diet is so important is because it addresses that underlying brain chemistry It, it gives me the the stuff that I need needed originally chemically from a from medication that now it's healed enough and get in, if I continue to exercise and diet well, then it allows me to have that same baseline. But yes, there are definitely situations um, in my life where when I feel like I'm not being heard, when I feel like I'm not being able to speak my truth, when I'm feel like feeling like my life is just not on the path that's right for me personally, mm-hmm. the depression absolutely still flares up, and oh. I get a flare up. And then yes, that's when it's an indication of okay, well, this isn't just my generalized, you know, baseline. Baseline. Yeah, right. it's like it's the it's difference between good. rolling hills and like it's huge mountains nice. and cliffs. Yes, yeah. Right. Well, and let's talk about that a little bit more because. Um, in kind of talking about today's episode, we were talking about brain chemistry, and that's kind of, I think, both of our bread and butter we really <laughs> like. And I think for me, you know, I've been a trainer for 19, almost 20 years. So, and I've always had the belief that your mind and body are inseparable when it comes to making positive changes in your life, both physically, emotionally. You can't do one without the other. And I've always believed that, but more so than ever, probably I would say the last five to 10 years, it's become so much more prominent in my work and seeing it with both men and women, because I train both and I train a vast kind of 
difference between them. I've trained, you know, professional athletes on off season. I've dealt with, you know, the average me who goes in and is like, (laughs) Catherine, my knees hurt today. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) But the point is, you know, seeing a very broad spectrum of people, I will say in the last probably five to 10 years, I do notice more of a fluctuation or a dramatic difference in women and how they're managing their stress and their physical manifestations of trauma, stress, frustration, things like that, than men. And I hate to generally, I hate to make generalizations, mm-hmm. but let's be real. I've seen more of a trend. And we do tend to, even physically, we do have a little bit more of a, a delicate balance of hormones. Um, even if you just look at it from a monthly perspective, I mean, men do have fluctuations. That's, we've proven that science, you know, has reasons for that, whatever else, but women in general, I mean, if you look at our monthly cycles, um, that's a pretty vast difference in hormone, um, structures and kind of, you know, placement and levels through the month. And that's every month. That's 12 times a year. Well, in maybe if you're not going through menopause, well, okay, like so I am. <laughs> but like two, and then you add, like if you've had children and the, I mean, let's face it, um, as much as I'm like a huge, you know, promoter of exercise, exercise, having kids, all of these things are actually traumatic for the body. So, you know, it's managing that trauma for the body and its hormone levels and whatever else. But let's talk about brain chemistry. You know, our brain rewires. We know this from, you know, if you've had, if you know of anyone who's battled addiction, mental illness, things like that, we know that our brain is very malleable. It will restructure, it rewires. um, And our brains, it's so funny because I was listening to this talk um, with a well-known doctor and she was discussing even just how our brains in general are built for, to to seek out pleasure, which makes perfect sense. If you really, if even just in our daily life, what we do, we drive for it. Exactly. It's why we want ice cream at seven o'clock at night. It's why we want, (laughs) it's why alcohol becomes a problem for some people. It is our brains are wired to seek out pleasure and relief. It does not want to experience pain. That's why we have aversions to, you know, we may see a needle and get, freaked out. That's our brain saying, I don't want to experience that right, pain. Right. So, you know, if we look at the way the brain functions and over time, how stress then affects it, it's only natural that our physical output will, will at some point change and look different. I mean, I always think of, um, there were, I mean, I'm such a sucker for like, you know, all of these documentaries and 20, 20 and 60 <laughs> minutes. And it's, it's a marvel that I go out of my house because, you know, these stories are just like, and they're so accessible now. I, I, I know between Netflix, and, YouTube. Oh my gosh. Yes. But I remember several years ago, I want to say 10 to 15 years ago, but they were doing this. Um, I think it was, it was either 20, 20, 60 minutes, one of those. And they were showing twins. Okay who look very much alike, but had lived vastly different lives. Like, either okay. they'd been, you know, a couple of them had been separated at birth because of adoption, you know, situations or whatever. Some of them had just chosen very different paths, but they took pictures of okay. them at the same age, you know, from when they were, 
you know, babies or children, toddlers, and then through the years. Yeah. And <laughs> you could see it physically. Two people, so you're starting with a baseline where they look exactly alike for the most part. There might be a little difference here and there. Right. But over time, that difference didn't matter because the vast difference in their facial structures, their body structures had, I mean, it was a total difference based on, so I remember specifically there was these, there were these, um, it was a set of girls, a twin set of girls. Uh Uh-huh. And one of them had very much kind of, I can't remember with this, if they were, it was an adoption situation, but I, I vaguely remember, I think they were separated through their, um, adolescence and adulthood. Okay. So one of them had definitely had been in and out of rehab, dealt with drugs, drinking, um, you know, just a totally kind of different life from her sister who had very much was raised in middle to high class. Um, so I think, yeah, they must have, it must have been an adoption. I, I'm trying to remember the details, and I'm sorry for this. But basically, she had kind of been given a different opportunity, I think, really from the get-go. Right. And so as much as they still kind of shared certain personality traits, if you looked at them now, you know, I think at the time they were like in their late 20s, early 30s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But the sister who had experienced, you know, drug abuse, who had, and who, by the way, at this point was clean. So let's put that out there too. I mean, who knows what happened after this was aired. And the sister who had had, like, I don't know, she was working some sort of professional position, went through college, yada, yada, did the whole typical. Yeah, just kind of a more, I guess what I would say, like the, the, I don't want to say typical, but like but a more wholesome. What you, yeah, yeah, that's maybe the best way to put it. Um, oh my gosh, what a vast difference yeah. in your looks. I mean, you were talking. I mean, you know, we joke about like when you see someone and you're like, oh wow, they've seen shit, right? You know? They they lived through some stuff. They lived through some stuff. Like they gained some years under that belt. Yeah, but like, I mean, she really was. Her eyes were more downturned. Her facial features had changed. Her body structure looked differently even than her yeah. sister. Well, and some of that's probably from the physical abuse you do to you your do body. To your body, right? But um, yeah, the brain, though, I'm sure she thought about things differently. differently. Yeah, and so it's just fascinating. I mean, I just think. It's so indicative of, um, what did we watch, or you watched it and you told me about, where it was with people who live double lives. Like, was it you who who was telling me this? This was a couple years ago. I think I know what you're talking about. And it was... Um, Where they were talking, I think the article was about just lying uh, oh that's what it was about it was about lying right. it was about it was about how lying just saying lies and doing lies and living lies um changes your brain structure mm-hmm. and um i can't remember all the details but yeah that's and you were saying too about with that article about how um or that um thing you were listening listening to about how thinking negative thoughts oh. will change your brain chemistry to 
perpetuate that cycle? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, so basically what this doctor was saying was that because when you experience negative thought and you ruminate over it or you're experiencing it, um, you're causing damage to your brain. That's what it was, okay. And so that's really what long-term you're looking at is you're causing you're causing damage. Now, she also addresses, because the brain is so malleable, you can re... You can... Sure. You can help If you that. change your perspective. If you change your perspective. And you... So, you know, I think... I think that's kind of... Um, that's kind of the takeaway message, I think, from all of this. And really to kind of, I guess, start wrapping up. The bottom line is to really pay attention. Because exactly. not only is it... Is it just something you might... Pay attention if your body is telling you that it's in pain or it's in discomfort because that manifestation of that physical ailment could be possibly a thing that's going on in your life. And if you continue to just stuff it and stuff it and stuff it, your brain is going to rewire and your chemical processes can become different. And instead of allowing that to happen, take it as an opportunity to to change those things and make a happier life and live your best life. Oh, Hashtag. Well, and that's the thing, you know, try to maybe isolate the problem because I think, you know, sometimes when it's like what we were talking about earlier in that if you feel like your body is kind of shutting down, having physical responses, whatever, you know, and your brain is then rewiring to, oh my gosh, my life sucks. Everything's right. horrible. Instead of like taking pause and kind of going, okay, what is it really that, like, what is it, you know, count your blessings. I mean, right. truthfully, be grateful, sort of sit back and go, okay, what in my life is good? Right. Start there. Start there. And then what is it that is really kind of aggravating the rest of my life? You know, why is it that I'm feeling like I need my husband out of my bed right now because I'm going <laughs> to kill him? <laughs> Um, other than maybe he just put the toilet paper on wrong. He snores. He snores. But he fixed that problem, so I can't fault him on that one. <laughs> there you go. But I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Start where, listen, what is what in my life is good and going well? And then what in my life is sort of causing stress and strain and maybe aggravating everything else? Because I think if you can isolate that, too... It just it pinpoints a little bit better versus I think we can get into this snow, you know, the snowball of my whole life state. Right, right. And, you know, can we rewire? Can we really convince our brain, okay, well, what is it that I'm good with that I can let go of right now? And what is it that I can work on over time? We can't switch it overnight. But I think that's exactly it. I think, you know, really... Our point in today's talk is really mostly like, listen, if your body is is telling you something's off, if you're spending a lot of energy trying to figure it all out, um, you know, Peggy and I have talked about this a lot, you know, if, and what she was talking about earlier about relationships, and if you're kind of ruminating a lot, if you're spending a lot of energy, um, thinking about a particular area in your life, you know, maybe that's something that you need to address, maybe get some distance, or if, if you can, you know, that with work, things like that, you can't always get rid of work, but maybe you can isolate kind of what is it about work? What is it? Can, right. I, can I make a difference? 
And um, as always, you guys, we appreciate your questions. So if you have any questions about today. Um, or comments. Or comments, yeah. I mean, you want to call us, tell us we're old ladies. <laughs> but be nice. Be at least reasonable about it. We're older, but we're not Boca Raton yet. So we'll <gasps> Boca Raton. <laughs> right? Let's go. <laughs> Let's, please. Um, so please leave us comments, leave us questions. We love to hear from you and we always love suggestions too. If you have a topic that you'd like to hear from us about, we love all that input. So until next time, I am Kat. And I'm Peg. And we're Where's the Paddle and we're searching for it every day. So good luck. Have a great day, guys. Bye.